Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. This is Matt Neely, and you're listening to the Titans Film Room Podcast. Welcome in to Titans Film Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Graver. With me, as always, is James Esparza. And James, what are we talking about tonight? Well, we got some quick hitters. We're going to be discussing the defense, the offense, how we match up against the Bucks, uh, the trade deadline. We kind of touch on it. And uh, we kind of I sort of derailed the trade deadline talk really quick, didn't I? That was yeah. not on purpose. No, 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 it's okay because I kind of <laughs> brought it up randomly. So, um, but I mean, other than that, we uh, kind of leave you with a little message about Mariota and Tannehill at the end. So, be sure to listen. And with that, we'll start. <laughs> He rips it back there. If he rips it deep to Evans, you still got to be able to go up and make the play. At some point in time, all zone coverages turn into one-on-ones down the field. You know, when you once the ball gets 15 yards down the field, whether you're in cover three or you're in man coverage, who's on it? The corner. It's one-on-one. So you can't double everybody. I mean, they got dynamic receivers. Alrighty, we are going to start this podcast. James, what's up? Nothing much, man. I'm pretty excited. Um, ready for this week. Um, I know it's never an easy game with these Titans, but I'm hoping it's a fun game. That's what I want. Let me ask you something. Since the last time we recorded was Sunday night, right after the game, we were a little reactionary. Now that you've had some time to mull over the game and everything, what are your thoughts about Ryan Tannehill going forward this season and about this team's prospects for the season after a few days of thinking about it. So I'm still going to temper my expectations with Ryan Tannehill. I think he did very well. Um, It was the Chargers. Yes, Casey Hayward, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. They're no slouches, but... um, Ingram is not out there. Oh, he wasn't? Okay. Anyway, uh, they're still 2-4 team. Now two and five fumbled on the goal line. We really got lucky with that one. Um, I would have liked to see Tannehill score more points. Granted, we didn't get the ball as much as we should have. But uh, I'm very excited and hopeful moving forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm still tempering expectations for the offense just because the opponent has performed poorly all season. Um, but the plays they're, they're making, and I think we said this last week, those were plays that will work against good defenses because those are good corners. Like you said, Casey Hayward, um, I mean, Corey Davis making contested catches over him. Like that's Corey Davis making contested catches over a good cornerback, not some like third string, nobody, you know, I want to point out some stats that I dug up when I was writing my article this week for musiccitymiracles.com about Ryan Tannehill's performance. Just about, this is mostly about the offense overall, but The Titans' offense had been very stagnant through the season, and we all know that. Um, But statistically, they were 28th in the league in drive success rate, which is a football outsider stat that measures the percentage of down series 
four down series that result in either a first down or a touchdown. The Titans were at 65% for the season, 28th in the league. They were 29th in the league in average yards per drive, 24.8 yards per drive. That's it. Um, And they were tied for the most three and outs in the NFL with 20 total three and outs. So that's heading into last week's game. 28th in drive success rate, 29th in yards per drive at 24.8 yards per drive, and 20 total three and outs. Ryan Tannehill was successful on 20 of 26 down series, and obviously it's not all Tannehill, but Ryan Tannehill led offense, which is a success rate of 76.9%. The Titans' season average up to that point was 65%. 65%, 28th in the league. 76.9% would rank 7th in the league if you could sustain that. So that's a huge jump. They also averaged 24 point they also averaged 20 yards per drive more than they had with Mariota under center with Tannehill back there up to 44.7 yards per drive. That's a pretty big increase as well. And the best thing, 0-3 and outs. So yes, the Chargers de- defense not a great defense, but the Titans were I mean they only scored 23 points, but moving the ball, successful on drives. The problem was they just didn't have a lot of drives. So last week's game was kind of exciting, 23-20. But I wonder, with more possessions against a team that turns the ball over more um, on a, at a higher rate, at a, against a team that scores a lot of points, too, that the Buccaneers are a high, high-powered offense with those two big receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So my question, James... Will we have the Titans' first shootout game of the season against the Buccaneers, or is it going to be another defensive struggle? I think uh, the way the Titans like to play football or the way Mike Vrabel likes to play football, I think we're going to have another defensive struggle. Um, it's either going to be the Titans blowing the Bucks out or it's a very close game and the Titans lose by three. I really D- can't see Jameis Winston getting over on Logan Ryan or Kevin Byard. Last week, the Chargers were making some really nice catches. They had that one drive where they had like three sideline catches on the same drive that were like amazing toe-tapping catches. Like two of them were reviewed. Like those kinds of catches don't happen every week. And those were some really nice catches. I do think the Bucks have receivers that can make those types of catches though. So it's not necessarily um, a a negative on Logan Ryan um, or Malcolm Butler. But, I mean, these are receivers that are going to make plays. I think this could be the Titans' first game of the season where their opponent scores more than 20 points. But I could also see that being a situation where the Titans' offense scores more than 30 points for the first time since the Browns game, and they are allowing over 20 points because it's the fourth quarter and they have a big lead. I don't know why, but I... Like my confidence level in the Titans from this time last week to right now has like gone up by such a large amount that I can't even tell you. I really expect the Titans to beat the Bucks. I don't think the Bucks are a very good football team. They have a good offense. They've been competitive in game in some games, but on the road at Nissan against the Titans defense with Tannehill providing the spark that he provided, I have a lot of confidence. What what would you rank your confidence right now? On a scale of 10, 10 being the highest, I would say about a 7. Confidence in the team or confidence in this game? The team. What about this game? Uh, I'd say a 6. Mm, okay. 
I mean, this is classic Titans. This would be classic Titans to exactly. get us all back on the train and then come out and be terrible in that's this game. Exactly, that's exactly why I'm not like, yeah, man, this is going to be a great game. Titans going to blow them out. We're going to win by 50. Um, let's wait. I mean, granted, the kind of problem with our inconsistencies is on the bench right now. So maybe, just maybe, it changes. But let's not forget. Ryan Tannehill was pretty damn inconsistent in Miami, so. Right. He had good stretches, and he had bad stretches. I don't know. I mean, I'm not super familiar with Ryan Tannehill's career in Miami. I don't know if he was as game-to-game inconsistent as Mariota is versus more, like, riding the highs and lows of Tannehill's career. But let's just talk really quickly uh, about the Titans' injury status. Corey Davis, who missed practice on Wednesday with an illness, was a full participant on Thursday. Jayon Brown, limited Wednesday, full participant Thursday. Jack Conklin, full participant Thursday. Nate Davis, full participant Thursday. Wesley Woodyard, full participant on Thursday. Jarrell Casey and Rashawn Evans were limited participants, but I don't think their status for the game on Sunday is in jeopardy the way that I am worried about Adoree Jackson and Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker, of course, got hurt very early on in the Chargers game. We never really even saw what, what play he got injured on. He just didn't play a lot. And uh, he hasn't practiced this week. And Adoree Jackson had a, suffered a foot injury during that game, didn't return, and he hasn't practiced this week. So I'd be kind of surprised at this point. We'll see what happens on we're recording this Thursday night. We'll see what happens on Friday if those guys get back to practice. But right now, I don't know if we're going to see either of those guys. Do you think Adoree Jackson's absence is going to be felt on the field? Or what do you think of LaShawn Sims stepping in there? Uh, I mean, they have Mike Evans. Um, he's more of a power like tall receiver, 6'5", 225. Um, I'm really curious. They're probably going to put Malcolm Butler on him, who usually does well with bigger receivers. Uh, who's their speedy guy? Um, well, Chris Godwin is Chris Godwin is actually their leading receiver. Chris Godwin is second in the NFL in receiving yards, and the Buccaneers just had their bye, and he's second in the NFL. Okay. Um, and he's he has more yards than and more targets and more catches than... Uh, Mike Evans. Mike Evans right now, which yeah. is, I mean... That could be a product of offenses, or sorry, of defenses giving Mike Evans more attention, but Godwin has really been developing into a really nice player. I know because I have him in five fantasy leagues, so like I am all in on Chris Godwin. Gotcha. He's the number one receiver in fantasy right now. Again, they just had their bye week, and he's still number one. Yeah. So I'm more worried about what Godwin could do to this defense just because he's more of an unknown. I mean, Mike Evans is kind of like he's going to post you up down the field, and that's kind of what he's going to do like he's going to run deep and Winston's going to chuck it up to him. That's the majority of Evans targets. Godwin, they're using all over the field screen game, deep game. Um, so yeah, it'll be tough. Uh, I'm actually really interested in how they're going to match up against this offense because you have these guys who are really good receivers on either end. The Titans don't traditionally have their corners follow their follow a receiver. They have been doing a nice job mixing up man and zone coverage this, this season. I think that with Winston, you got to try to confuse him and get him to throw the ball into contested situations. And that's how you're going to force a lot of turnovers. Um, and I think he is confusable as a quarterback uh, if you're cr- kind of disguising your, your coverages. So we may see Malcolm Butler on, on Evans. Cause I do agree with you that he probably matches up better than at least than Logan Ryan. I don't know if anyone's a good matchup for Mike Evans, but um, yeah. So they'll probably put Butler on him when they go, man, if, but if he's on the other side of the field or if they're moving him around, like I'm not really sure what, what's going to happen. It'll be interesting. 
because both receivers do offer such a challenge. Yeah. But you ask about their deep threat. It's Brashad Perriman, so it's not like... Wasn't he a Raven of like a year ago? He was drafted in the first round by the Ravens a few years ago. They finally uh, gave up with him. He was a Cleveland Brown for a bit last season. He actually caught some deep passes for Cleveland last year. And uh, now he's on the Bucks. And if you let him get wide open deep, there's like a 50% chance that he'll burn you and a 50% chance that he'll just drop it. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't let him get behind you or, or Winston will launch it to him and it'll be a big play. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But I'm not going to say I'm worried about Brashad Perriman the way I am with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Well, with uh, Dory Jackson being out, I think we're going to see uh, some more money hooker looks, and that's actually pretty exciting to me, even if it is three mm-hmm. safety looks. Um because you're going to probably have Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler on the outsides, and then you can be using Monty Hooker, Kevin Byard, and um, Kenny Vaccaro in the middle, kind of coming up to support the run, and have those two on the outsides or either on the inside. If we have Jayon back, I'm really liking where this defense can be, especially if we're going to have Jeffrey Simmons at full force. Woo, we haven't even talked about Jeffrey Simmons! Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I am... Kind of worried that Adore Jackson's out, but at the same time, I'm excited to see the different packages they're probably going to be implementing with the absence of Adore Jackson. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I think the key with it is um, keeping, they're going to mix up those packages for sure. And I think you'll probably see Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler play close to 100% of the snaps on defense in this game um, in base and in nickel and dime and all their sub packages. But I think the key here is to get pressure on James Winston. And I mean, we kind of talk about this every week. You pressure the opposing quarterback, good things are going to happen for your defense. Yeah, but. And with Big Jeff, oh my gosh, I think the Titans are going to be able to get a legitimate pass rush. I mean, more so than without him. And if he, I don't know what they're going to do snap count wise. They're probably, Mike Vrabel talked about this a little bit in his press conference on Thursday about how um, the return to play, they kind of have to manage the snaps. Um, see where a guy's at, where he's at with his conditioning and all that stuff. So I don't know how quickly Simmons' workload is going to ramp up, but for me, the sooner the better, just from an excitement, just from watching as a fan standpoint, because holy crap, he was dominant. Just dominant in his first game ever. (laughs) I mean, you got Jerome Casey, Cameron Wake, Harold Landry, um, Jeffrey Simmons, all rushing Jameis Winston. Now... He's had how many? Five interception, four interception games. Like, if you get a good enough amount of pressure on him, he's going to make mistakes and he's just going to break. Speaking of breaks, why don't we take a quick one and then come right back and maybe talk about the offense and how important Adam Humphreys might be in this game? I think as an offense, uh, we operated as clean as we have all season, and that's really all 11 guys. And we were able to sustain drives. It was a really short game. Think about it, not, not a ton of possessions. And, you know, they went out there and we executed, especially in the red zone. So it's good to see. All righty, Titan fans, let's go ahead and talk about the offense and the uh, how they're going to match up against the Bucks. I'd mentioned Adam Humphreys before the break, and uh, I think he's going to be really important in that defensive room. Just, uh, you know, helping out the defensive players. The offense is different, but he can still help with player tendencies, and uh, especially considering how key of a player he was last year for the Bucs. 
but um, I really want to see him get involved in this game. I agree. I think Humphreys has a, has a good chance to get involved early and often. I, if you're listening to this on Friday, which I'd expect most people are, I'm, I'm assuming you've heard by now the stats that the Buccaneers are 32nd in the NFL in passing yards allowed, but first in the NFL in rushing yards allowed. And if you look at the advanced stats, or the DVOA as done by football outsiders, the Bucks are 25th in pass defense and still first in rush defense. So not only are they first in yards allowed, they're also first in run defense DVOA. So this is not just a situation where teams are saying, oh, okay, this team is really bad at defending the pass, so there's no point in running on them. No, that's not it. They actually are a really good run defense. The NFL's best run defense, according to this stat. I think a huge part of that is the fifth overall pick that they added in this year's draft, Devin White out of LSU. He's been... Uh, the middle of their in the middle of their defense leading things there so definitely have to i think that this is one of those games where we talked about a lot um as fans mike malarkey's tendencies when he was the coach of this team to not really game plan for his opponent and the one that always jumps out to me is the cleveland browns game from 2017 when the browns had a great run defense and the worst pass defense in the league and not only was it the worst pass defense in the league their top cornerback Jason McCourty that week, LOL, was out with an injury. And the Titans came out in this game and tried to run it down the Browns' throats. And this is the game that they almost lost to a winless team that they had to take to overtime and win by a field goal. And this, to me, is kind of like a little test for this coaching staff, in my eyes, where they have a chance to come out and recognize their opponent's strength, run defense, and their opponent's weakness, pass defense, and try to um, take advantage of that. If they come out here in heavy sets and try to pound the ball against a really good run defense and don't try to take advantage of a weak pass defense, that's that's going to be a huge concern for me just in terms of my level, my feelings about this staff going forward, which I already have, have concerns about. But I really hope that they take the approach of let's use our best players on offense, which I think right now are Corey Davis, and A.J. Brown, let's actually feed them the ball. Let's allow those guys to create space for Adam Humphreys underneath. I've, I've seen a little bit of Bucks tape um, of their defense where they're, they're allow slot receivers. They try to guard them with a linebacker, and the slot receiver puts a little move to the inside and breaks out. It looks a lot like the stuff that Adam Humphreys has done in, throughout his career and so far here in Tennessee, and I think that he's the kind of guy you can match up and isolate and get those, those favorable matchups. And then just continuing to give those receivers chances outside. And doing all that can open up the run game. You know, pass to set up the run as opposed to running to set up the pass, which it feels like our whole offense is based on running to set up the pass with play action and stuff. But I don't want to see that this game because that's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, I'm really looking forward to A.J. Brown in this game. Um, like like I'm looking forward to Jeffrey Simmons going against the Bucks offense, I'm looking against A.J. Brown. Like I said, Adam Pumphreys is going to be important, but I think Adam A.J. Brown is going to have the big game. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul Kaharski keeps bringing this up on the midday 180, but Adam Humphreys, stat line last week, a four for 40 with, I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but I think four first downs maybe. That's what you brought him here to do, right? So like a, that kind of game against the Buccaneers would be a successful game from Adam Humphreys. It's not a super prolific, productive game. But that's what he's here for. He's here to convert on third down and pick up those first downs and average about 10 yards a catch. He's not your deep threat downfield guy. So 
to me, that would be a good game from him. Yep. Um, trade deadline is coming up. Uh, I know this is kind of a bad segue, but um, just thinking about it, because I'm thinking of Adam Humphreys, you know, being a chain mover. That moves me over to Delaney Walker. And then I'm thinking about the article. I think Mike wrote it today on Music City Miracles about, you know, the trade deadline and Delaney Walker was on the tr- the sell list. So that's kind of how my thought process is there. Are you thinking we should trade anybody or trade for anyone? It's really hard to say right now. I think the Titans are in a pretty weird position because they're going to need draft capital if they want to make a move for a franchise quarterback next April. But they're still in it right now. Three and four is by no means out of it. The Titans have been three and four, I think, three seasons in a row. So three and four is not out of it, not out of contention. It's not like where you want to be, but it's not out of it. So I don't think you want to be moving pieces that are still contributing to your team for draft capital next April. It's debatable right now how much Delaney Walker is contributing because he's been a little hurt. He hasn't been playing that many snaps, at least by his standards this whole season. He's been around 50% of the snaps. Jonu Smith played really well last week, minus that one rep where he gave up a sack that became an interception to Nwosu last week. But that was really his only bad rep, I thought, in the whole game. He's He's been blocking well. He's been dynamic after the catch. I mean, that, that little screenplay, which was like a kind of a downfield screen thing, on that third and 14, I think, where he just rumbled downfield through tackles. It kind of reminded me of Deion Lewis against the Chargers last year, just like spinning and running through tackles. Get this guy the ball. Get him and Corey and AJ the ball. And everything else will open up, I think. That's got to be the keys to the game. Oh, for sure. For sure. And hopefully, because um, Keaton Fahey had tweeted about it, how quarterbacks consistently can't hit tight windows like this. And, and I kind of get that because of the defense changes, the players change. So maybe some of those windows that Ryan Tannehill was actually fitting against the Chargers, he might not be able to do it against the Bucks. Granted, this is kind of a soft defense when it comes to wide receivers. So maybe we see some more Ryan Tannehill, like ballsy ass throws. Yeah. And hopefully that doesn't get my hopes up. And then <laughs> we, we come crashing down the next week, but I got to be positive. We're going into this, and I think Ryan Tannehill is going to have another 300-yard game, maybe with one less interception and one more touchdown. I'm starting him in a fantasy league because I have Lamar Jackson, who's on bye, so I don't have a lot of options. I tried to pick up Kirk Cousins, and I missed out. So I'm going with Ryan Tannehill. (laughs) I mean, this is a bad pass defense. This is the matchup that you want to start him in. I do think that some of the windows he was throwing into and some of the throws he made last week are either a little bit lucky or at the very least, not sustainable. I mean, the one to Corey Davis over the middle, the crossing play where the linebacker passes the guy off and then stays in the middle as like a robber. I think maybe Tannehill saw the linebacker's hips were still turned to the sideline away from Davis. And so he's throwing based off body language. Or he thought that that linebacker was going to keep carrying the crossing route and didn't expect him to stop. And he just got lucky that that ball wasn't batted down or intercepted. You know, it's a really small sample size, so it's hard to say on some of these plays. I do think you keep throwing tight window throws like that, eventually interceptions are going to come with them. But we talked about this last week, you know, just having that volume and giving the receivers a chance, like even if it does result in some interceptions, overall it's just better for the offense because more plays, more ball movement. If those interceptions do come, you probably move the ball a little bit, you know, so you're not throwing it in your own like 
the other team setting them up in the red zone or anything crazy. So I think that you just got to take that, take the good, take the bad with the good. Last week it was all good. There'll be, they'll still be good, even if some bad comes. You just got to, that's part of it. That's, that's the trade off. That's, if you don't want that, then go back to Mariota. <laughs> Not you, yeah. James, personally, but. No, no, no. Don't say that because I know some Titan fans want that. So, <laughs> um, honestly, like, if the Titans do go back to Mariota at some point, do you think the season's over, or do you think just Ryan Tannehill had a string of bad games? I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to get benched. I think if Mariota comes back in, it's because he got hurt. And Tannehill's injury history is not short; it's on a short list. So, I think that. I mean, it's not impossible we see Mariota again. I don't expect it, but... Right. And if he does have to come in, like, it's not impossible that he comes in and plays well, too. I mean, he's played well at points in his career. Let's close out the podcast with this. This is sort of a PSA to all Titans fans and football fans in general. Why? Why are so many... Maybe you know the answer to this. You probably don't. Why are so many Titans fans so insistent on rewriting... Marcus Mariota's history. Like, can we just be honest about how Mariota played? We all know, like, there's nobody out there that's really still arguing, and I don't think, for Mariota to still be the starting quarterback. How Mariota played in his last few games as the starter was bad. And the way that he played before that doesn't change how bad he was in the most recent games. And of course, Recency bias influences opinion so much that everybody wants to say that like the Denver game is what Mariota always looked like, unable to hit easy screen passes and scared to throw the ball. And yes, that's how he was playing in his latest games. But it's not fair to say that he couldn't ever make some of the throws that Tannehill was making. Would he have made them right now in 2019? Maybe not. Probably not. I don't want to say definitely not. I mean, we've seen Marcus Mariota come out, I mean, against the Patriots, the Titans were reeling at that point in the season last year. And he came out and had one of the best games of his career. So I don't think that it's fair to say that, to say, to try to like downplay how, what Mariota was when he was the quarterback. And it's just, I mean, it's more sad to me than anything that he isn't the quarterback he used to be versus all this like, he always sucked. He had a slow release. Marcus Mariota never had a slow release. I don't know where this is coming from, but when he, was the at his best. He had one of the quickest releases in the league. He was accurate. He threw the ball with with velocity. I've seen a lot of people commenting on how Tannehill's velocity was so much better in this game. And like Mariota doesn't always throw with that kind of velocity, but when he's got a pocket and space to set up and throw in, like we've seen Mariota throw the ball with that kind of velocity. I don't think Marcus Mariota's career is over, even if it's over in Tennessee. So it's just it's it's just annoying to me to see all these people try to pretend like he was so much worse than he was. And I don't, I'm not trying to defend him and say that he's better than he was the last few games, but he's better than what people are making him out to be. And he's always been better than what people are making him out to be. And the, the moments that he gave Titans fans, I know most, most of us out there are still cherishing them. We still love Marcus for what he was and what he gave us. But there's people already who are being so quick to write off the, like the playoff win as like not an accomplishment. Like, after that game, we were so hyped as a fan base because that was an awesome experience watching that game. So just want to leave everyone off by leave this podcast by saying to everyone, like, cherish what Marcus was. Stop trying to like, I don't know, stop trying to 
taint the memory that we had with when he was good. And he's not good now, but he was at one point in his career on a trajectory to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And this is not a Titans fan opinion. That's an unbiased. There's countless articles written about how he was a rising star heading into the 2017 season. And obviously he never got there. So just calm down, everyone. Yeah, I agree. I'm just going to... I mean, I feel like some people are going to be more inclined to either prop him up or they're going to be... They're going to tear him down. There's... I, I don't know. Because the ones that are going to prop him up are going to be... Or tear him down are going to be the vocal minority. Whereas yeah, most of us, are, we're kind yeah. of in the middle of it. And... Um, you know, we really don't, we don't go either way. So we're not really going to Like I saw it. someone say, I posted a clip of Tannehill fired up after the touchdown pass to Davis. Someone commented like, we never saw this kind of fire from Mariota. Like, yes, we did. <laughs> we didn't yeah, see it all the we time. Really did. But like, I mean, come on. <laughs> that Chiefs game, you don't remember that entire defense getting in his face while he's getting hyped up? Or How about after he stiff-armed Barry Church? I mean, there's there's touchdowns he's scored where he's just gotten hyped and celebrated. Like, we don't have to pretend like Marcus was some, like, super meek, t- quiet, like, I don't know. He wasn't as vocal as he needed to be, but let's not pretend that he was, like, a child either. No, right, he wasn't. Anyway. He was, it was good for what it was, but sadly, I think we're moving on, so there's that. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Cherish the memories and move on. We can all do both. We can hold both of those opinions at the same time, right? We don't have to Look, tear them down to prop Tannehill up or vice versa. So that's, it. that's all I got. Yeah, I'll end it on this. Whether you're a Mariota stan or you're a Mariota hater, at the end of the day, if you should be a Titans fan and we want to go in and we want to win this game. So no matter who's that quarterback, I mean, pull for the Titans to win. Why would you? Why do you want to root for your ship to sink? <laughs> Amen, James. I love y'all.